everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The, the Yamcast. Yeah. My name is Erica. And I'm Chris. And we like to talk about the Bible. Yep. We also have a passion for young adults. So that is where Young Adult, the Yam, Young Adult Ministry comes from. And we, so clever. Yes. That was actually, yeah, somebody else came up with that for us. And we're thankful for him. Um, but yes, we like to help guide young adults because that is a hard time. And we like to use the Bible to do that. We do. And we want to hear from you. So if you want to reach out to us, go to at the Yamcast on the socials or email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. I got in right before nice. the last note. And I did good. Positive. Did good. That's, that's what happened. All right. We're in James still. We are. If you missed last week, we introed. So good. It was a very large chunk of scripture. So good. Just the first verse. Huge verse. So... It's not a super long episode either, I don't believe. No. Um, so if you want to hear of the intro, you might want to catch that one before you catch this one. Yeah. But you don't also need to. But it's, you know, always good to know where we're going before you just jump into scripture. That's a good, that's good word of advice right there. Yeah, for every, any piece of scripture. Every episode is kind of a standalone episode. At the same time, it wouldn't hurt you to listen to the whole book from the beginning to the end. Mm-hmm. Also... Good advice for just scripture in general, right? True. For the Bible in general. True. Know the whole story. Although almost everyone I know gets lost in Leviticus and stops reading the Bible in a year. So. It's a hard one. <laughs> it is a hard one. You should do that next. <laughs> Bible in a year. Oh, Leviticus. Oh, golly. <laughs> Let's spare our listeners. <laughs> All right, fine. And we're not going to do that. We'll spare it by sticking in a New Testament book that makes a lot of sense. Yes. Amen. Amen. So we are doing James 1, still, yep. the chapter. Um, and we're doing verses 2 through 8. Yep. This is probably, I would say verse 2 is probably one of the ones that James is most well known for. True. Um, and so we're going to kind of talk about that one a lot this episode. So It's a big verse to memorize mm-hmm. and to know. So here we go. Verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters. Thank you. When you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So yeah, I feel like, I mean, there are commas for a reason. You kind of need to read those three verses together Yep. Um, to really understand what's going on. Other translations I read also said um, mature and complete instead of perfect and complete. Sure. Which kind of just reminds me of, of growing up, not seeing things as a child might, how, <clears throat> excuse me, how do they respond when trial, when, like, how do children respond when they face trials? Right. They usually throw fits, right? And that's kind of like, you should be growing up. You should be growing out of that. And yeah, so I kind of, that kind of reminds me of that, that you should be growing up and then you see that this faith is producing steadfastness or like stick with itness. Yeah. Um, that's a good way to say it. Stick with itness. Mm-hmm. Instead of just like giving up. And then when you keep sticking with it, that is where you start to realize that you are mature. You're not just going to give up. Yeah. No, that's absolutely it. I'm, you're saying this and I'm looking really quick to see what word is used there. Instead of, I know sometimes they use person. Like, they're talking about steadfastness. No, the word perfect. So oh, te- okay. So teleos. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, because like mat- when you are maturing, you are supposed to be mm-hmm. almost developing into, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say perfect because we can't do that, obviously, with our sinfulness. But right. you should be, yeah, you should be almost becoming complete. You should be, yeah, as you get older and older and older. Yeah, you know? so the reason why they would translate it either complete, or sorry, either perfect or mature is because that word teleos means having its end purpose or completeness completed. Mm, okay. So if you think about like, oh, this actually kind of goes back to the Hebrew word shalom. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen that Bible project mm-hmm. video on shalom, but the idea that we always think of it as peace, it doesn't necessarily mean peace. It means completeness. Like if you have a brick wall that you're building and you put the final brick in place, now that is shalom. Or in this it case, is, it's it is, complete. Yeah, it or another complete. way to say that would be perfect, right? There's a sense that lacking nothing. Yeah, you know, everything's sort of. everything's set mm-hmm. and it's it's good. There's nothing that needs to change. So that I can understand why in English that would mean perfect. The problem with perfect, as you yeah, just pointed out, we yeah. start to think of that means like in its best possible state, mm-hmm. which is true. But me being in a perfect state on Earth is different than me being in a perfect state in heaven mm-hmm. by a long shot. Mm-hmm. So when that day comes that I'm in a glorified body, my perfection and completeness will be more felt than it is today. But at the same time, when my day is not rampant with sin, I can feel a sense of completeness. Yeah. And that's really what James is talking about, right? So he wants steadfastness to have its completeness so that we might, or or its full effect, so that we might feel complete, perfect. Uh, You know, you go to bed at night and you're just like, man, that was a day that I used well for the Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. lacking in nothing. And really to get to that spot, as it says at the beginning, you have to go through trials. Like those things. Totally. Those things are going to happen. Totally. And we'll spend a lot of time on that concept. Yeah. As we move through this, but yeah, I mean the idea that, like you said, if, if a faith is never put to test, it's never actually a real faith. That's totally true. Which like I mentioned last week in the the opener, this is part of the reason why James and Paul seem to be at odds, Mm -hmm. but they're not. And I'll, and like I said, I'll keep proving that as the book goes on. But part of what James is saying is your faith then pushes your life. You live a certain way because of your faith. Mm -hmm. If we just said, yeah, I have faith, and we don't do anything about it, then that doesn't really feel like faith. Do you really have it? Yeah. And if you believe that God is the king of the universe who created everything and wants you to have a relationship with him that impacts the world for his good, and then you sit on the couch all the time, do you really believe that? Yeah, right. Or do you just kind of, you know, take it? So with that said, let's move on to verse five. If any of you lacks wisdom, and I would point out here that this ties back to that trials idea. Okay. You, lacking wisdom here means it goes with trials. So let me start it over again. So if any of you lacks wisdom in the midst of your trials, I might put that in parentheses. So if any of you lacks wisdom, let him, who, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. That person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So this can, this is hard for me when I hear this one. Because I'm like with no doubting and I'm like, man, I definitely doubt from time to time. Does that mean that I disbelieve? No. But I just am like, I don't know if I always ask in complete faith. You know what I mean? It's just, Mm -hmm. and so I, I struggle with that. Right. I struggle that I'm like, well, then will that ever happen if I, you know what I mean? And totally. I and I imagine that other people reading this are probably feeling the same thing of like, well, yeah, I just, I, I don't know if I ever ask in like complete faith. I feel like there's always this sliver mm-hmm. that almost is like preparing you 
for it to not happen, mm-hmm. which is horrible. Right. So that's something that I've definitely worked on over the years is to try to not have that sliver of doubt. Right. Know that he is completely capable. Does he always have to do it? No. But knowing, I think that's the part of it. Knowing sure. that he is completely capable when I am asking mm-hmm. and not going the, well, what if this doesn't happen? And it's like, well, then you'll figure it. And then I try to just be like, well, I'll figure it out mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. But I know that he can make this happen. Right. You know? Right. Well, and if you go to the other parts of the New Testament, Mark 9, there's that father, Jesus mm. is coming off the mountain with the transfiguration. And, and he says, do you believe? And he says, I, I believe, help my unbelief. Yes. And I love that verse because it feels so much like who I am sometimes yeah. where I'm like, God, I know I believe you. I trust you. But if this doesn't go the way that I'm praying, which sometimes I, I'm praying because I, I think this is exactly what God wants with this situation. <laughs> you know, a friend who's sick with cancer and in my mind, way too young to die. Mm-hmm. And I'm praying, God, just relieve this from them. But in my heart, I'm going, but I also know that your will may be different in my prayer. And for me to suffer from that and then say, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. There's so much to that, right? There's a packed idea here. And if you go back to this, that verse five, this idea that what's happening here is when you're facing trials, and this is clearly to a church, remember the dispersion thing from last week, mm-hmm. there's a church that's being scattered, whether it's because of persecution or whether something much bigger than that, it's you're facing a trial that you can't comprehend. It's bigger than you. So ask for wisdom to deal with that trial. Whatever you're dealing with, go to God and go, I don't understand why this is happening to me, but I trust you to show me why. And that's really what the prayer is about. Because I think sometimes I've read verse five in the past as just, well, I lack wisdom, so I'm going to ask God. Of course, God will give us wisdom, but in the context of this passage, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, verse five is not saying don't pray for wisdom for everything. Because you, you should absolutely pray for wisdom all the time. Mm-hmm. But when you're going through something and you're just going, I don't know why this is happening. What James is saying is get on your knees and just ask him because he gives wisdom. And because he gives wisdom and he's good and he's, he's trustworthy, do it in faith with no doubting. If you're not doubting, there's a good chance you're going to know what is going on. And even if you never find out exactly what's going on, well, like with my back, I, I never found out exactly why my back blew out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I spent a lot of time just saying to God, like, why don't you just heal me here? And I'll never know the answer. I, there might be a day in eternity where God's like, here's how I use this in you. Boom, 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 boom. And he mm-hmm. shows me six different things that I learned that I'm still trying to grasp at this point. Yeah. That'll be beautiful. But if it never happens, if I, if I see him face to face, I'm like, why did that happen? And he's like, I don't, there's, there doesn't have to be a reason. I just, I wanted, I wanted you to grow and you, you did without, you don't need reasons. Mm-hmm. I have to be okay with that. Yeah. And so that's part of what he's dealing with here is we, we sometimes go through trials and we start flipping like a fish out of water, you know, just that's the double-minded man, unstable. I'm just, why is this a, why, God, you're so mean, you're the worst. That's my, mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know, my impression of somebody who's struggling. Not very nice or fair. But if my response is just like flopping around on the on the shore going, well, this is stupid, why don't I have air? It's like, get back in the water. It's a bad analogy probably, but. Well, but it's like, but do what you're meant to do. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm God. Mm-hmm. You're not. Mm-hmm. So you need to just almost like stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. And it sounds, it sounds harsh, but it's like, cause yeah, that I would say that that's with the fish, you know, like stay in your lane. Totally. And when you want that person to stay in their lane, right? I mean, think about your child or, or my children or any other person that we've mentored and discipled over the years. We might be on the more mature end of things, looking at them saying, trust me, 
it gets better. Mm-hmm. And they don't believe it. They're flopping around, freaking out. And then we're just like, trust us. And then they go, okay, fine. I get it. And we're good. Mm-hmm. And then everything's fine. Um, it just takes time. And God is good and he'll give us time. Alrighty. It's time to move on to the deeper dive. I got two things. They're fairly quick, but I want to, you know, last week we were talking about the six different Jameses, right? Mm-hmm. Talked about that. So I thought it might be fun every once in a while to dip in here and go, who, who is one of the James as a possibility? So the one that I think is most likely to have written this book is the one I'm going to start with. I think this is the best option. This is the guy, James the Just, who also is called the brother of Jesus, right? That's what we talked yeah. about a little bit last time. James the Just, it was called that because he was so righteous, pious, he loves the Lord. In fact, he loves the Lord so much that he maintained a very strict Jewish lifestyle, mm-hmm. even after you know, even after seeing his brother rise from the grave. So, he was one of the people that saw Jesus face to face. If 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 we're talking James the Just for this book, this this is that guy. Mm-hmm. And they call, like I said, they called him just because of his piety. They called him just because of just the way he lived his life. Um, you know, there's rumors that he had calluses on his elbows and knees because of how wow. much he prayed, that he just was on his face before the Lord all the time. And what supposedly happened to him, and this is, all of this is speculation, and all of this is just so that this next part of the podcast here, I'm diving into second, third, and fourth century works that were written by people that we could or could not trust because mm-hmm. they weren't eyewitnesses. So we don't know exactly what happened It didn't. But supposedly what happened is he, he got into conflict with one of the high priests. They felt like he was not honoring them well, and he was calling them on some of their sin, and, uh, which the high priest system had a major problems. And so they, they put him to the top of the temple and threw him off, and it broke both of his legs, but he wasn't dead, so then they stoned him to death. Wow. And as they're stoning him, he is praying for them and saying, Lord, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Mm. So he's praying the exact same thing that his brother prayed on the cross, which mm-hmm. is really cool. I also, like I said, I'm somewhat cautious with some of this because who was there, who actually saw it? Yeah. You know, is this Jewish propaganda or is this a late church father just adding parts of the story? And I'm not saying anyone's lying. I'm just saying, like, you hear a story, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I could tell you stories about people that probably aren't or aren't true. I just don't know, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know if we can trust it a ton, but, but just a really amazing guy who dies a really gruesome, sad death right around 62 AD. So it'd be before the major destruction of Jerusalem and all that kind of thing. But a key voice in the Jerusalem council, like I told you in Acts 15 and, and really a key voice in, in a number of church passages, like Galatians 1:19 says that Paul went and visited James, the brother of Jesus. Oh, okay. So he's not just a guy. He is a major person in the church. But then really quickly, there has to be a bit of a, a question about Jesus having brothers, right? I mean, because how does that work? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. So we've got a couple of passages where four brothers are named, and James is one of those people. It's in the book of Mark. You can go look for it if you want. But James being his brother created a ton of issues for a number of people in the early church. And, and I, I want like, to, I could go on for hours on this, so I'm going to keep it as short as I can. But if you want like a bonus podcast on it, email us and just say, I want to just do the James the Just thing and it'll be boring, but it'll, some people will like it and we'll make it a bonus episode that no one listens to. But, <laughs> but here's what's happening. There's, there is something interesting that the early church started to maintain this idea that Mary had perpetual virginity, that she never actually lost her virginity. Mm. So in order to keep that going, you have to deal with the brother's passage. Yeah. 
Not only that, but it's also a little nerve-wracking that Jesus on the cross says to Mary, John will take care of you. Why would John have to take care of Mary if she's got other children? Mm-hmm. So there's a big problem there that the Jews would have freaked out about. Like, it doesn't make a ton of sense if Jesus has brothers, unless those brothers have abandoned him at the cross and they don't actually reinstate themselves with him until mm-hmm. after the resurrection. But even then, why wouldn't Jesus know that and just say, you know, hey, someone's going to take care of you in the next few days. Don't just worry about it. Wink, wink. You know, um, <laughs> Could so, you imagine? Somewhat ridiculous. But, but so there's a little bit of, of an issue with him being an actual brother. So then what do you do with that? Well, there's two possibilities. One is that the word brother could also be translated cousin. These could be cousins of Jesus, which would mean John makes sense that he's given over to Mary. Uh, okay, that makes sense. The cousin thing kind of has some issues because why would he be called the brother of Jesus immediately after this mm-hmm. if he's not really a brother? The other possibility, and this this maintains her her perpetual virginity, which, by the way, just so they're clear on the podcast, I don't care whether she was perpetually a virgin or not. Mm-hmm. That's It's become kind of Catholic yeah, mandatory idea that I don't, and Eastern Orthodox as well, that I don't need to hold to, so I don't really care if she went on to have more kids. But there's a huge discussion in some of the early church fathers right around 200 and 300 AD that Mary not only kept her virginity but she also did so because she married a very older man. Joseph, they believe, was very old at the time that he married Mary. Okay. And Joseph honored her by not actually sleeping with her mm. ever. But that would give the opportunity for Joseph to have had four children before her. And so it's possible that these are brothers of Jesus who are actually half-brothers or in some sense really no brothers at all because Joseph wasn't really his dad. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So this mm-hmm. could be... Joseph maybe had a wife previously, had four kids with her. She died. Joseph's now an old man, marries this weird religious kid that nobody wants to marry. Joseph, <laughs> seriously, that's part of the story. And then Joseph steps in and takes this weird kid and says, I'll bring you into my wing. And then, you know. Jesus. There's Jesus. Possibility, weird, whatever. Never mind. The, the whole fact of this thing is James the Just is a really, really great guy who dies kind of a weird, gruesome, crazy death. Second thing in the deeper dive that I think is more important for this passage goes back to that joy. And the biblical definition of joy, you're going to talk about this in a second, has less to do with happiness. So I'll leave that for you to Mm -hmm. take on. But the joy idea is really a a sense of being, it's not an emotion. It's just, the disciples had this in Acts 4. Do you remember in Acts 4 when they get persecuted and they're running out of the temple being persecuted and they've just been whipped and beaten and they are jumping for joy? Why? Why? Because they can't believe that the Lord trusts them with his message so much that they would be able to suffer persecution in his name and walk out of the temple. And I'm going, these guys are nuts. At the same time, I wish I was more nuts, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. think about how often we complain about the world hates us as Christians. They treat us so badly. They're they're treating us. Imagine if we took every little bit of persecution and we ran around joyous that God would see us fit to hold his message even in the midst of trial. That's a beautiful faith, and that's something really deep. And so when James is saying, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, that, that really is for everybody. It's The word brethren could be used there. Why would you consider it pure joy if you're going through a trial? Well, partly because you get to go through a trial. And I know that sounds ridiculous and stupid, but you're going through a trial, which means God trusts you enough to test your faith. That's really the mindset. And I'm going, I don't know that I have that, but I would really love to have mm-hmm. that. So... Interesting thoughts to me. Yeah. Let's get practical. Let's get practical. Practical. So, yeah, as you 
just talked about with joy and happiness. I think that was one thing that people always nailed home when I was younger is that they are not the same thing, as you kind of said. Mm -hmm. Happiness is fleeting. Happiness is an emotion. Whereas joy, as you said, is a state of beating. I kind of think like joy also is like a groundedness. Um, It's like your foundation almost from which you stand. And I mean, your scripture where they are jumping for joy I was, I mean, like, they're actually, like, I would, I maybe, maybe happiness is what they possibly are feeling, too. Right. Um, whereas, yeah, when I'm definitely facing trials, I'm not jumping for joy. Correct. I have a groundedness of, like, I'm not, I'm not fleeting. I'm not going here and there. Right. Um, I right. have a groundedness, but I'm definitely not happy. You right. know, like, I'm not, like, sometimes I might be complaining. Sometimes I might just be, like, okay. We're in it. We're going to do this. But I'm not like, woohoo. Sure. You know? Um, and I think it's gotten better because I think in the beginning when you are younger, just talking about the whole maturity thing, you are like, this really sucks and I don't want to be doing this. Sure. And I think as you get older, you start to ex- realize like some of those things are just, it's just life mm-hmm. and it's okay, you know? That was something that I experienced at work. I'm now working in in the office, doing a lot of more different things and overseeing a lot of things. And one of my coworkers, who also works in the office, somebody came in and said, "Oh, how's your day?" And she goes, "Oh, it sucked." Blah 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 blah. It was just, and I said, "Like a sh- oh no," she said it was a bad day. Blah blah blah. And I said, "It wasn't a bad day. It was just a full day. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a lot that happened." Mm-hmm. And so trying to reframe her mindset also that like just because lots of things were thrown your way that day that you weren't expecting does not mean right. it has to be a bad day. Right. It just means it was a full day. It was just because like that the same day I go home, my husband asked me how my day was. I was like, it was good. I was like, a lot happened, but it was good. Yeah. Um, and so she was like, you know, I'm going to try and start doing that more and not just seeing when I didn't get my stuff done as it being sure. a bad day. And I know this is not necessarily trials and things, but it's a piece of the puzzle. It is. It, yeah. I mean, just being able to have things thrown your way. Cause usually that's what a trial is. It's something you don't anticipate. Right. It's something you're not desiring. And when you're at work and you have things to get done, you are not anticipating all of these other things happening, you right. know? And so being able to be flexible in those things and being able to just be like, it is what it is. Right. And we're going to, push through it. And then tomorrow's a new day, you know? And some of that is the maturity I think that's being spoken of too. And the stick with itness, the steadfastness. Um, mm-hmm. so do you have to be like super excited and happy about it? No, I don't think right. that always needs to be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have a groundedness that isn't there. Um, when you don't have joy, like if you don't have joy, you don't have this, just this sense of we're going to get through this and it'll be okay. Almost a positivity, I guess. Maybe that's more so what it is. It's yeah. having a more positive yeah. rather than negative view of when you're going through a trial. You and, know, And even as happiness runs away from us, we still have something that yeah. maintains. Yeah, so that's, true. that's what joy is. It's something yeah. that sticks even though happiness doesn't, which is exactly what you're describing. You know, there's moments where people share with me their deepest, darkest, whatever, and it just makes my life really complicated because now I have to do a whole bunch more work than I had to do yeah. five minutes ago. And there's a part of me that thinks, man, just people stink. This is brutal. The other part of me is I'm glad that they trust me enough to open right. up and give me this. And that's kind of what you're describing with your teacher friend. I mean, yeah. there's, this, there's this piece of 
if we look at our day as full, it does change our perspective and go, hey, God, thank you that these kids trusted me enough to share how mad they are about their home life or how crazy they're being today about whatever, or, or an opportunity for me to teach them what discipline looks like, you know, mm-hmm. which that also annoys me when people are like that, but I need to become more like that. I know when you're the one that's not feeling it and somebody else is saying, you're kind of like, you know, <laughs> so I, yes, I totally get that. Totally. So my second thing, Oh, sorry. Not, yeah. We're not I there pushed yet. The button on you accident. did. My, you did. Apologies. Um, so the second thing has to do with, uh, the second chunk, um, about, about having faith and actually doing things that require you to have faith. I think it was, um, a study that I had done a, a while ago and it was, it was a Gideon study, and I know I've, I think I've talked about this before, but um, the like God dwindling down his army. Sure. That is making him uncomfortable, Very much I so. imagine. Um, and that is making him have to rely on faith. Right. And I, I remember having a similar experience when I went and taught in Haiti for a summer and I was not only the team lead, but also I was going to be speaking. And I felt, and I was going through the Gideon at the same time. And I, I felt like doing the team lead was him taking away the 10,000 or the 30, whatever it ends up sure. being. But then also adding on the speaking role, I was like, now this is really going to require right. faith. It's me stepping out of my comfort zone. Sure, 300 moment. Yeah, that was my, my 300. And I was like, this is the 300, you know? Yep. Not like the movie very different, but that's what I mean. Um, because in America, we live pretty comfortable lives and we actually strive to ensure that our lives stay that way. We do everything we can to make sure that we are secure, stable, and comfortable. And But very little, if any faith is needed when we are comfortable. We need to do things that actually require faith and getting uncomfortable and out of our comfort zone is what's going to do that. Mm-hmm. So praying for the Spirit to lead us in different ways and following that prompt. And I know sometimes I often have heard this question of like, well, was that the spirit? And my question to them always is, would you naturally have wanted to do that? Mm. And the answer is probably no. So that's probably the spirit. Like, well, I feel this nudging to go talk to them, but is that the spirit? Would you naturally just go talk to a stranger? Probably not. So that is probably the spirit. Mm -hmm. And I know sometimes there's also the question of, well, what about danger? Just going up and talking to random people or whatever it might be. And my thing is, is if it's the spirit leading you, sure. you don't need to worry about that. No. But also, you don't need to worry about that. No. You know where you're going. You know where the end is. Like, you don't need to worry about that. Consider it joy. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm reminded of, um, oh, I can't even think of their name right now. Um, Elizabeth Elliot? Yes, thank you. I was like, you were, yes. Mm-hmm. So I lived in Ecuador, and we heard about this, sure. obviously. And... Yeah, the, these missionaries went to an unreached tribe knowing the danger full well, mm-hmm. and they were killed. Mm-hmm. Did that stop them from doing it? No, mm-hmm. obviously, because they were killed doing it. Um, does that mean that it was for naught? No. Of course not. Because right. actually the wives end up going and end up sharing Christ with them, and it's like a beautiful story. Um, but just because there's danger involved does not mean that that's not what you're supposed to do. Sure. So... Yeah. Anywhere you are, just be praying for the spirit to lead you in the grocery store, in the fast food line, like whatever it is. And you might be shocked to see what ends up happening. And you're going to be like, wow, that was, and that will deepen your faith. Yeah. That will start to make you go, whoa, our God is big, you know? Yeah. But when you don't do anything, as we talked about before, mm-hmm. 
do you really have faith? Do you really right. believe? And why wouldn't you want to be used by the kingdom? Yeah. It's the best place to be. Mm-hmm. So I always try to like not leave air spots. Yeah. So I, I, my deepest apologies. No, it's okay. Because <laughs> I was like, I was expecting you to be like, and now a council corner. And then you start, I'm like, oh no, she just started. Yeah, talking. it's okay. It's anyway. okay. You got a little teaser. It's my faux pas. Here we go. <laughs> council corner with Erica. So my council corner this week doesn't have to actually do with anything that we're talking about, but it has to do with that's something fine. that's happening in my life right now. And um, I think somebody told me this. I don't remember who told me this. It could have been you. I don't remember. I don't remember if it was in high school or in if college. If it was super wise, it has to be me. But it was this this saying that you give others the power to affect you. Because I remember constantly having that issue. I mean, just with, with lots of people. And I have a coworker right now. And obviously, I, being in the office, I oversee lots of things. Mm-hmm. And she comes to me for lots of things. And a lot of it has to do with interactions that she has with coworkers and her almost wanting to be like a sounding board of like, is this me or is this just not me? You right. know? And that's a valid question. Is this something I should be concerned about? Yeah. And the majority of the time I end up having to tell her, I don't think it has anything to do with you. Mm-hmm. I don't think it has anything to do with you. The majority of the time when somebody has an interaction with you that you don't feel great about, a lot of the time it actually has nothing to do with you. Right. We especially as women, I think we overanalyze. And I know that I did that a ton when I was younger. I would always be, I would always internalize it and be like, it has to be me. It has to be me. It has to be me. I I must be the problem, whatever it might be. And then realizing that I actually give other people the power to affect me, affect my mindset, affect how I feel about myself. Um, And when you start to realize that you can, you can take that power back and say, no, I don't have to let you and what you say and how you feel affect how I feel about myself or affect how I think about myself. Or you might have had like, you might not have smiled at me. I don't have to let that be how, oh, oh, she, she must be mad at me. That doesn't have to be a thought that crosses my mind, you know? Right. Because um, that is a lot of what happens with this coworker is she thinks that people are mad at her or don't like her be, based on how they interact with her. And a lot of the time that's just not true. We have lots of things going on in our day and we don't always think about how my interaction with you might affect you. We just are like, here it is. I got to get, I got somewhere to be and we're just going to be done with it. Um, and it does negatively affect her. And so this just reminded me, and I wanted to put it out there for all of you as well, that you give others the power to affect you. If you are sick of how you feel because of how other people are, are interacting with you, Take that power back. Don't let them affect you in that way. Um, because you don't, you, you cannot control how they interact with you, but you can definitely control how you receive it yeah. and how you want to process it. So take control of it and don't let them have power to affect you. So No, I think it's fantastic advice, especially for young adults mm-hmm. who more often than not, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way to you, listener, but I know that, as I was younger, I spent more time blaming other people. Mm. And as I'm getting older, I'm realizing, no, they have less to do with my situation. I, they can deal with my happiness, but they can't steal my joy. Right? Yeah, yeah, to very tie. good. So you mm. said it wasn't yes, connected. Yes, it does tie in. That's Thanks for connected. that. Very, very connected, Miss yes. Erica. So, James 1, 2 through 8. Yes. 
We're going nice and slow through Count this Count joy. I know. I'm excited because there's lots of nuggets and we don't want to miss them. So Yeah, so many. Yeah. Well, have a good week. Bye. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Yamcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember to check us out on all the socials like Instagram at the Yamcast. We'd love to hear back from you guys, so please leave us a comment or a review, and we might even send you guys a sticker. Also, if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer here on the podcast, you can email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. That is yamcastpod at gmail.com.